Welcome to Russell Off the Cuff. Uh, we're back. We're back on the Lost Art of Friendship. If you've been listening to all of this series, which I'm not sure you have, if you probably did a hybrid version, right? You The article, The Lost Art of Friendship, can be found on leaddifferent.com. And uh, it can be combined with this podcast, or you can read sections of it that you want to read and then listen to the podcast of the sections that you don't want to read. I'm trying something out new to see if it helps that each section of this article, which is for some people really long, for other people not so much, uh, just depends on what type of appetite you have for reading text and some of us like to listen I don't really think it matters I think when you're listening it's a form of reading because I'm going over a lot of what has been written I'm adding a number of things depending upon which section but if you're listening you're reading and if you're reading you're reading the key is that we're all learning and I'm not saying that my article is the first or last word on friendship it's my experience with observation of and research into uh, friendship and I've I've developed a lot of personal conclusions and uh, changes that I need to make and think about uh, going forward. <clears throat> and in the same way, uh, it's affected me uh, in how I think about relationships intellectually, emotionally, and perhaps more spiritually than anything else. Um, because I think a lot of the times, uh, on many occasions, people who are religious or Christian assume that their relationships are better than everyone else but when you dive into the question of friendship uh, it becomes very interesting because getting some objective definition to friendship allows us to look and say well really is your spiritual quote unquote relationship better than this secular person's relationship I'm not so sure when you look at the facts and uh, it's, it's made me say, hey, the, the real question is, what does friendship mean? And am I living it? And if I'm really living it, then it should hold up whether there's a secular measure or a spiritual measure. And hopefully, for those of us who are Christian and are spiritual in our orientation, we hold ourselves to a higher standard, not of moral performance, but of friendship. Eh, it's interesting stuff. Now, for many of us who are leaders, you're probably wondering, well, why are we talking about friendship so much on a leadership podcast or a leadership um, site where there's article where there are articles and and an effort to teach and share and participate in the journey of becoming better leaders or learning how to lead for the first time? I think that's because a, a pretty extremely um, what's the way to say this? A significant blind spot in leadership is the necessity of friendship, even in leadership, even in a corporation. Let's take sports. And I may take a little time with you today. I hope you're doing all right, giving you a little something to think about. Maybe you can relax, just enjoy this while you're driving to work, coming home from work after an exhausting day. And maybe you'll just, you're listening to it after you've been working real hard. At, at home with the kids and homework and lockdown and you know all that stuff haven't had a break for a long time because you know you're going 24 7 7 24 um 
and maybe you can just relax because I don't think you should absorb any of the stuff we're talking about as some big challenge to rock your world. My hope is it will improve the quality of all of our marriages, improve the quality of all of our relationships, whether it's with siblings or it's with um, children, um, people that we're participating in clubs or churches with or whatever community organization we're part of. And it'll even help us be able to treat people better. Um, I think that if we all learn how to have good friendships, we're less likely to be volatile, we're less likely to be angry, we're less likely to be bitter, we're less likely to want what others have because we don't have it than becoming angry at those who have what we want. Like we get out of a lot of entanglements because the quality of our life proves when we are in better relationship with people. And while not everybody may be in that circle as Robin Dunbar talked about of three to five friends who you know, are in some ways the foundation of our relational world, they may be in the 10, they may be in the 30, they may be in the 150. I think all the friends we have matter, but getting a definition and a tight definition of the friends that really hold our life up and keep it strong and secure, that's important. And so the question for today is the second question in a series of seven questions that are asked at the end of the article, The Lost Art of Friendship. You know where to find it, leaddiff.com. The question being asked number two is, have we forgotten what it means to be friends. William Derezovich, in his essay, The Death of Friendship, he writes, in retrospect, it seems inevitable that once we decided to become friends with everyone, we would forget how to be friends with anyone. Once we decided to become friends with everyone, we would forget how to be friends with anyone. We may pride ourselves today on our aptitude for friendship. Friends, after all, are the only people we have left. But it's not clear that we still even know what it means. The aptitude for friendship. How often do we talk about, think about, or consider that? We talk about emotional intelligence. We talk about social intelligence. But what a great concept. The aptitude for friendship. And that's really what the lost art of friendship is all about. It's about developing an aptitude for friendship. He says here, when we decided to become friends with everyone... It seems that we have forgotten how to be friends with anyone. The meaninglessness of friendship comes, and I think that's a good concept for us to hold on to, just to sit down with your spouse, maybe in a time of reflection, discussion with people that you consider to be great friends to deepen those relationships and say, well, what is the meaningless of friendships? How do friendships become meaningless? Well, there's no definition. We don't have anything in our head that says, oh, that's a friendship. Now, that may seem contrived or too uh, systematic, but it's as simple as things like, you know, do I believe friends tell each other the truth? Do I believe friends are there for each other during a hard time? Like, if we don't have any definition for friendship, then by definition, we can't say we have any friends, and that's what it means to be friends with everyone and no one. 
So when friendship becomes meaningless, when there's no definition, I'll grab a spiritual word. When there's no devotion, when there's no expectation, when there's no depth of conversation. And as a result, when you have no definition to your friendship, no devotion to your friendship, no expectation of your friendship, no depth of conversation in the friendship, then there is no connection for the friendship. Therefore, it is meaningless. It is, it is itself contrived. It's a behavior more than a reality. And so my conclusion is we cannot be friends with everyone. Otherwise, friendship has no meaning. We can be kind. We can be acquaintances. We can call someone a friend because we don't want to be offensive. But the idea of in our own heart or head not being clear that, oh, this person is someone I can call on. This person is someone who can call on me. This person is someone who's devoted to me and I'm devoted to them. And I think sometimes in marriage, one of the missing elements when people get married is they don't have any definition of friendship. They don't have devotion to friendship. They have the captivation of romance, hopefully, but they don't have the definition or the devotion, the expectation of friendship. There's no depth of conversation. There's things that, that each person doesn't know about each other. And so when the vows are made at the wedding, the problem is the vow is being made to a behavior as opposed to the internal life of the individual. Friendship is important for marriage. We cannot be friends with everyone, otherwise friendship has no meaning. This does not mean we walk around telling people they're not our friends, okay? So I'm not advocating that you go out and say, let me make sure you know that you're not my friend because you don't pass my definition. I've written it down. I've written a, a journal entry about friendship and you don't, you don't check off the list. That's not what I'm saying. That's not it. That's not it. This does not mean we walk around telling people they're not our friends. What it means is we develop our own understanding of and definition for friendship. Then we devote ourselves to building the uncommon depth and connection characteristic of these unique relationships. You want me to run that by you again? It took me a while to get that down so I had a clarity myself, right? This does not mean we walk around telling people they're not our friends, but that we develop our own understanding of and definition for friendship, then devote ourselves to building the uncommon depth and connection characteristic of these unique relationships. Here's a little sidebar. I like saying sidebar. I don't know if I got that from watching TV, legal shows or what, because I'm not a lawyer. Although I did sleep at a holiday in the other night. No, I'm just kidding. That's supposed to be funny, but I'm in the closet talking to myself, so no one's laughing. But um, what I've learned is in raising kids, one of the most important things to try to share with them, teach them, that's hard to teach, really hard to teach, is friendship, right? Who is the kind of person that makes a friend? And especially as young people grow up in any generation, they want to be friends with people and they don't want to make enemies. They don't want to cause someone to be hurt by saying they're not our friend. And in that regard, I think, sure, I think it's capable of saying, hey, that's my friend, whether they're in the 150 or the 2000. The key thing on all this, I think, is that we better know who our friends are because when you're in, like I was in, in, in 1991 when my first son was born with Down syndrome, I was in the hospital and I found out he was born with Down syndrome 
and I was in a bit of like confusion because I wasn't sure what it was and my wife was uh, you know they were uh, continuing to take care of her after birth and so I was like I I've got to call somebody and at that moment I went oh this is the list that is is this is the list of people who are my actual friends and so I think that's how you figure it out. What do we do? We're not going to walk around telling people they're not our friends, but what are we going to do? We're going to do what we talked about. We're going to develop friendships. What does that mean? Number one, in order to, to, to stir our memory of what it means to be friends, and in order to make sure we're actually out there building friendships, I know some of you are going to say, I can't do this much work. I can't remember this much stuff. I don't want to do it. Look, most of us learn to trade or went to college and had a major. And most of us have a job or we're in school, middle school, high school, we're learning something. If you can learn calculus, if you can learn geometry, if you can learn biology, if you can learn physics, if you can take English 101, you can learn to be a friend. If you can be trained to make a wonderful cup of coffee at Starbucks or Phil's, if you can learn how to play basketball or badminton, volleyball, or run track. If you can learn how to run a computer and get on the internet and download a PDF and if you can learn how to Photoshop a photo or put one on Facebook or Instagram, you can learn how to be a friend. If you can learn how to exercise, get in shape, fix a car, do your makeup, do your hair, you can learn how to be a friend. I think one of the first things we have to stop doing is saying I can't and replace that with I won't and then replace that with I can and I will. And so let's talk about it. How do we get ourselves into a position where we either remember what it means to be friends or we learn for the first time? Number one, developing friendships. That means growing together. I had a friend in college named Scott Green. He's passed away. But the thing is, when he came into my life, we grew together. It was such an exciting relationship in college and beyond because we were growing together. I think that's the first step. It isn't even having things in common. That's gonna be important. But it's finding someone who grows with you. What happens in a lot of relationships is one person keeps growing, the other person wants to stop growing, and the relationship begins to fall apart. Not in a bad way, there's no bad blood there. It's just that one individual is struggling because the other one doesn't wanna grow. To have a really great friendship, there has to be a commitment and an agreement to grow together. Number two. It's got to be personal. It's got to be your own. So you're doing this not because you're following a list or you read an article. You're doing this because it's personal. You own it. You, you want to have a friendships. That's something you want. You're not doing it because your company told you to do it because a college class on Ulysses and the Odyssey and Odysseus and the Odyssey made you do it. You're not doing it because you listen to a particular song on the radio. You're doing it because you personally see the need and want to do it. And when you're growing, when you pick someone, you're growing together, you're doing because you want to do it. The number three thing is you got to get an understanding of what friendship is. That friendship operates pretty much on, on, on really three, but four, we'll call it four basic levels. It's intellectual, it's emotional, it's spiritual, and physical. Physical is the easiest part, be there though a lot of people don't do that, but it's be there. But the other parts are not easy. Intellectual, 
engaging each other on the ideas and thoughts and opinions we have, emotional, sharing and revealing the feelings, communicating the feelings we have, spiritual, getting down to the very deepest meaning of our life, why we're here, what we're meant to do, our purpose. That's what it means to have understanding. And if we are growing together, if it's personal, we're doing it because we want to do it, then the understanding is the third step. And number four, we have to decide to devote ourselves to each other. There's a devotion. You hang together. You stick together. And when people are critical of, negative about, or even bad news comes about, you're there. Even if it's going to turn out that your friends put themselves in a position where everybody else is down on your friend, you're willing to go down with the ship. Devotion. Number one, grow together, develop the relationship. Number two, own it and make it personal. Number three, understanding, intellectual, emotional, spiritual, and physical. You have to have an understanding that friendship operates on all those levels. And number four is devotion. And then number five, you've got to build it. You've got to build that relationship. That means you've got to make investments every day. Number six, once you've done those things, it's got to be deep. It's got to have what I call an uncommon depth. No matter how deep your other relationships are, the deeper the relationship, the more important to your life. If it's your spouse, they ought to be the deepest relationship you have. The most honest, transparent, vulnerable, um, the one that you have no walls up on. It's deep. There's no limit. Number seven, when you've done those first six, then you get into connection. We don't have a connection until we do those first six. So you can rewind this and go back over it. You got to develop it, grow together. Two, it's got to be personal. You got to own it. Three, you got to have the understanding of the four levels, intellectual, emotional, spiritual, and physical. That's three, understanding. Four, you got to be devoted. Five, you got to build it. Six, it's got to have that uncommon depth. And only then do you get to seven, connection. And connection means that you and that person, some people say in marriage, it's your soulmate. And I think that's totally true. In friendship, it's another word. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a beyond buddy word, right? Whatever you want to call it. But number seven is connection. And that means that, that person provides an intellectual compliment to you, an emotional compliment to you, and a spiritual compliment to you. They do something for you that makes you better. And that's what makes the connection so unique. That's what plugs you into each other. Number eight. At number eight, it's part of the character. When you get to number eight, it's not that you have to remember all these things, but actually when you practice things like this, it becomes your character to be a friend. And you also become really good in seeing, does this person have that character in themselves? You look at someone and you can tell, oh, they, they, they like growing together with someone. You look at someone and they, you, you can tell they have a personal definition of and devotion to the idea of being a friend. And find number nine, when you grow it together, you develop the relationship. When you own it and it's personal, you're doing it because you want to. When you understand what friendship is, that it operates on an intellectual, emotional, spiritual, and physical level. When there's a devotion to it, you're sticking through even the bad stuff. Number five, you're building it. You're investing every day. Number six, it's got an uncommon depth, deeper than any other relationships you have. Number seven, there's a connection. There's a connection caused because you have intellectual complementation to each other. You complement each other intellectually, emotionally, and spiritually. And this should be at its highest level in marriage. 
And then you have, you, you're able to recognize you have now, after you've practiced those first seven things, number eight, a character for friendship. Because friendship to me is about character, not just emotion. It's about character, not just belief. It's built into who you are. Only then do you get to number nine, the unique relationship called friendship. That's right. Have we forgotten what it means to be friends? Then let this little, let this little podcast remind us. And as we go away, remember, building these types of friendship will require that we invest time. That means sacrifice, that we take initiative. Don't wait for someone to call you. You call them. And that we have deep conversation on a constant basis. You may say, well, can you just give me a couple of details on that? Yeah, what I've learned about time is sacrifice. If a friendship costs you nothing, then a friendship's not going to be of great value. It's got to, time is the greatest, most valuable resource we have. We have, give that to people, and that's proof you've got a friendship. Initiative. When we take initiative, that means we're secure in the relationship. We're not worried about rejection. We're not worried that they won't reciprocate. In deep conversation, that means we reveal all of our secrets. This is Russ off the cuff. We've tackled a question, have we forgotten what it means to be friends? It's the second question of seven. We're rounding it out over the next series of days. I may double up on some of these to get them all out because we got more to come. What do I say at the end of these and have learned to say? I realize your time is precious. You have a lot going on. And your support for Russ Off the Cuff is appreciated and your time spent listening is appreciated. And I know that you're all thinking and coming up with ideas of your own. I hope I'm sharing with your friends and you spread sort of a faith and a philosophy and a belief in friendship. Enjoy the rest of your week.